Hi, welcome to Light the Camera Author. I'm Jim Juno, and Dave Carger is an award-winning TV host, interviewer, journalist, and film expert. He's a host on Turner Classic Movies and has been the Oscar expert for NBC's Today Show since the year 2000. He has a new book out. It's entitled 50 Oscar Nights, Iconic Stars and Filmmakers on Their Career-Defining Wins. It's published by Running Press and Turner Classic Movies. And he joins us now. Dave, welcome to Light Camera Author. Thanks, Jim. Nice to meet you. Now, this book, you have, you've really gone through exhaustive uh, research with this. And matter of fact, I have to turn my you for getting all these people to sit down and and talk with you. Um, was that was that a hard chore in itself? Yeah, that was half the battle, but it actually was fun. I felt like I was inviting all these impressive people to a party and waiting to see who would come back in RSVP. Yes. And it was so exciting whenever I would get a positive response from someone like Meryl Streep or John Legend or Mel Brooks and all these amazing people who very graciously agreed to do an interview with me for this book. So, but that was definitely part of it was, you know, trying to wrangle all of these impressive people uh, and get them to agree to, to be in this project. And a lot of these people, a lot of these uh, people, I mean, we're talking Dustin Hoffman, we're talking Elton John, uh, Nicole Kidman, um, <laughs> going all, going back to uh, Rita Moreno, who won for West Side Story, um, and Estelle Parsons, uh, I hope I pronounced her name right. <laughs> she uh, she won the Oscar for, um, for Bonnie and Clyde. Um, so these were not just like the last 10 years, the last 20 years, it was, it was really going back 50 years, wasn't it? Yes. And because I'm a host on Turner classic movies, it was important to me to include as many people from the classic era of Hollywood as possible. And that's why you'll see there's six people in this book who are over the age of 90 Mel Brooks, Estelle Parsons, Lee Grant, Rita Moreno, Clint Eastwood, Joel Gray. That was very important to me to have as many Oscar winners from the 60s, 70s, and 80s as I possibly could include. And I should just tell people for those of anyone who's listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about with this book. So 50 Oscar Nights is a book where I've done new interviews with these 50 winners, whether it's actors and actresses, filmmakers, musicians, craftspeople, talking about the day that they won, just from the moment they got up to the moment they went to bed and what they did, what they said, who they were with, in some cases, what they wore and what it means to them all of these years later. And that was one of my next questions was that it wasn't, it's not just actors, it's producers, it's musicians, um, people who really don't talk a lot. I mean, we're talking like Clint Eastwood. I don't think he does it. He does interviews anymore, does he? Occasionally he does, but not many. What I had on my side was 25 years of being a journalist, both in print at Entertainment Weekly Magazine, which is where I started my career almost 30 years ago now, and then the Today Show and Turner Classic Movies. So fortunately, 35 out of the 50 people who are interviewed in this book, I had actually interviewed before. So in many cases, it was me reaching out to people who I already knew, but there were 15 that I had never interviewed before. So that was part of the thrill was to meet Rita Moreno over Zoom 
Um, and to talk to John Legend for the first time or Mel Brooks, whom I had never spoken with before. So in those cases, I was able to go to those people who didn't know me and say, first of all, this was a TCM book. So it had the name behind it. But also by that point, I had amassed enough big interviews that I was able to say, if you agree to be part of this book, you'll be included with Elton John, Julia Roberts, Nicole Kidman, Jane Fonda, etc. So I think that that helped my case near the end. Everybody wants to be with the in crowd, don't they? I guess so. Now, I noticed also one of the you also put ask people where the Oscars are now, which was one of my favorite parts of the book. I found myself skipping through pages, making sure I can I could read the other ones. You know, um, the thing that struck me as an overriding theme. It sounds like nobody really expected to win. Isn't that interesting? There were there were a couple people who thought like J.K. Simmons for the movie Whiplash. He basically said, OK, I knew I was going to win. I mean, the Vegas odds were kind of ridiculous, he said. But what I found really interesting also is how many people, once they had the Oscar, didn't feel comfortable displaying it publicly. Rita Moreno had hers in a cardboard box in her garage for years. Uh, Jane Fonda always kept hers hidden for a while. Dustin Hoffman as well. Even some people who do have it out have it in private places in their house. Halle Berry told me she keeps it in her bedroom because it's a personal achievement and she, it's an intimate thing for her. Emma Thompson, on the other hand, puts hers in her bathroom in her house so that when all of her friends come over and use the bathroom, that's the that's what they see, her two Oscars. So different <laughs> have different relationships, if you will, with their own award, which I found fascinating. Melissa Asridge, I think, had the best line in there that the, she keeps the Oscar in her bedroom. It's the only naked man that's ever been in her bedroom. I like I love, that line. That was really great. She was a pleasure to talk to. I'm a big music person, so it was fun for me to include, along with the actors and the filmmakers, some composers and singers. So that's why you see Elton John in there, Keith Carradine, who won for Best Song, Melissa Etheridge, John Legend, but also Alan Menken, who is... Uh, the most Oscar decorated person alive. He has eight Academy Awards. No one alive has that many. So it was it was nice to talk to him as well. The uh, one of the things that struck me was that Elton John. He felt that you know, I mean, one he was glad he won, um, and he was glad he won for the second time. First off, he won for uh, "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" from The Lion King, and then he won for "Rocket Man." I'm going to love me again. But you talked to him. He said he didn't feel like the right song won for The Lion King, did he? Yeah. So for just to preface, anyone who has more than one Oscar, I let them choose which year they wanted to talk about. Uh, Elton did want to talk about the first Oscar he won for The Lion King. And if you remember, he had three nominations that year in the best song category, all from The Lion King. So Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Hakuna Matata, and Circle of Life were all nominated. And he, of course, is thrilled to have won the Oscar, but he does think that Circle of Life was the song that should have won because it's the song that starts the movie and ends the movie. And I think he feels it's more kind of emblematic of, of the movie. And I would argue he's right because I think that's the song that has more stood the test of time. It's the song that he uh, performs more then can you feel the love tonight uh, these days when when he does concerts? So uh, I that would have been my vote. You know, some of the some of the people they really they they 
did a lighter tone to it. Um, I want to talk about Hillary Swank because <laughs> after she wins, I mean, a lot of people go to the after parties, I guess, you know, I'm, but she went to some place called it was Astro Burger. Is that what it was? Astro Burger is like a mini burger chain in LA. And what's really interesting, I knew she had, so in the book, we talked about her first Oscar win for Boys Don't Cry. I knew that five or so years later when she won again for Million Dollar Baby, I knew she had gone to Astro Burger that year because there were pictures of her in her dress with the Oscar and her eating a burger. What I didn't know until interviewing her for this book was that she also went to Astro Burger the first time she won, but there's no photo documentation of it because the paparazzi didn't follow her that time. <laughs> but they did the, the second time. What what kind of what story uh, surprised you the most? Mm. Well, I was delighted by the story of Sally Field talking about showing up at the after party, thinking the party was over. And she walked in. This is when she won for Norma Ray and was walking in with her Oscar looking for a place to sit and someone to celebrate with. And a man got up in the corner of the room and said, come sit with us. And she looked over and it was Cary Grant. Oh, and then she with him and realized that she's sitting in between Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn and she she just about lost it. Um, I love stories like that. Rita Moreno talking about encountering Joan Crawford in the wings with a photographer right after she won and Joan Crawford trying to steal the moment from her, basically. Just a wonderful story. So any of that where, where there were clashes between, you know, new Hollywood, if you will, and older Hollywood, I, I just loved all that. I ate all that up. And talking about Rita Moreno, she was you also talk about the winning moment for everybody. And Rita Moreno was made sure she said, don't run. It's undignified. And I was just wondering, you know, it's that, you know, did she, I don't remember seeing, did she run? I know when she got up there, she said, can you believe it? Um, Good Lord. She said, yeah, I think she was, she was concerned. She was worried that the applause I think would, would, would have stopped by the time she got up there and, but then I think that's why people do run because they want to beat the drown out of the applause or the, the run out of the applause. But she decided she's like, no, I'm going to walk up there. And if the applause stops then the applause stops, but I don't think it did. But yes, she did give famously one of the shortest speeches ever. And I think she regrets that. At least she told me she did. She wishes that she had used that moment as a chance to reflect upon kind of the importance and the history of her win and the representation of being a Latina actress uh, winning an Oscar. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Hudson, she uh, she told you that she did not want to display her Oscar until she got until she was an EGOT winner. Isn't that amazing? It's foresight. And she, by the way, she fully admitted to me she didn't really know what the Oscars were. She was so uh, focused on her music career and her dreams of being a singer as a young girl that she only thought about ever winning Grammys. And then I think someone on her team said, oh, now you can try to win an EGOT. And they had to explain to her what that was. And then, you know, then she got that Tony and uh, and the Emmy. And now she's got all four. And I guess she has what she called an awards wall in yes. her. But now she has them all displayed. I'd love to see a picture of that. Allison Janney, when she was when she won for I, Tonya, um, she she told you that when she first read the script, she thought it was a, a little bit crazy. And she was going to be wearing a fur coat and have a have a bird on her shoulder. That's right. And but she trusted she trusted in it because the that movie, I, Tanya, was written by Stephen Rogers, who is one of her best friends. And they've known each other for decades. 
and they used to go to Oscar parties together and everything. And then he ends up writing the role that would win her an Oscar and kind of predicted it would. And uh, they went to the Oscars and sat together. And I, I picked a great photo of the two of them. And she's she's kissing him on the cheek after she's won her Oscar. And it's just a beautiful moment. And I found out um, after the, the book has now been out for a couple of weeks, I found out from Facebook, uh, Stephen Rogers posted that picture and he said he had never seen it before. So I love the fact that this book has kind of provided a little moment of joy for some of the people who are even in it. That is, you just touched upon something I really want to talk about also, is that this this book, it it's a physically lovely book because, I mean, all the great photos in it, it's not just stories. There are hundreds of photos in here, and and they're all like from behind the scenes or, or behind the scenes on the set, behind the scenes at the Oscars. Was that was that a hard task to whittle down what photos to use? It was. And that that was one of the more time consuming aspects of the book, without a doubt. I had a wonderful photo editor named Eileen Flanagan, who I worked with, and we we did have a budget and we were able to license a lot of never before seen photos. I also had access to the Turner Classic Movies photo archive. Uh, the Academy also let us license some pictures from their photo archive. So they were a great partner with us on with me and us on this book. But yes, um, Eileen, the photo editor, and I sat for hours going over each chapter and picking the photos. And whenever possible, I wanted the pictures to relate directly to something that somebody said in the interview. So I didn't pick any photos until I'd finished the interview. So when Elton John talked about his grandmother and the fact that he had dedicated the award to her, I made sure to get a shot of him with his grandmother. When Nicole Kidman talked about her mom and dad and how special it was to have them there that night at the Oscars. I made sure to have a picture of her with them. So I, whenever possible, I wanted to have, you know, pictures that really added to the interview. One of the most touching stories was Marley Matlin um, about, you know, with her, with her winning. Can you touch on that real quick? You mean about her relationship with William Hurt? Yes. Uh-huh. They were nearing the end of their very tumultuous personal relationship. They had started dating before they even began filming Children of a Lesser God. And I think by the time she won the Oscar, I think the relationship certainly was beginning to run its course. He actually presented her the Oscar because he was the returning Best Actor winner. He had won the previous year for Kiss of the Spider Woman. He presented her the Oscar and was very gracious to her and handed it to her and gave her a kiss. But I guess at the end of the night when they were in the limo heading home, he was a bit disrespectful to her and said, what makes you think you deserve this Oscar on your first movie? All the other women you were nominated against have worked for much longer to try to achieve what you just achieved in one movie. And she kind of sat there in silence and thought to herself, is he right? Well, maybe he was. But then she said, no, this is my moment. I'm not going to let him ruin it for me. And about four months later, she left him. I never understood why people do that um did she give any insight at all or you know the sense that i got it and it is that and the similar with the story with burt reynolds and sally field which sally talks about in, in in his weirdness about her success i think these men probably felt a little threatened by their girlfriend's success and i think it also maybe is an issue of control and jealousy i don't know I, it perplexes me how you could be in a relationship with someone and and be that unsupportive. 
you know, and on the other side of the coin, coin uh, you have um, Mario Servino, whose father, whose father, um, Paul Servino, was with her, and he was over the moon that she had I, won. I loved the Mira Servino chapter. She's so smart, and she's so sensitive. And I found it really interesting that she told me her dad, you know, felt a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that he had never gotten an Oscar nomination. So I think he kind of poo-pooed the Academy Awards throughout her upbringing. But yet when she won, she really wanted to share that moment with him. And I encourage anyone who's never seen her speech when she won for Mighty Aphrodite to go on YouTube and watch it because she acknowledges Paul Sorbino and says, when you when you acknowledge me, you acknowledge my father who taught me everything I know about acting. And his reaction is just so beautiful. He just turns into this blubbering, proud father. Um, and it's a just a super, super sweet moment. What was your favorite story in this whole book? Gosh, there's so many. Um, I would say the Sally Field one with Cary, with Cary Grant, I love. And then there's a chapter with a guy named Kevin O'Connell, who was a sound mixer, who was nominated for an Oscar 20 times and lost every time, and then finally won on his 21st nomination. And the way that he shares his whole journey with 35 years of going to the Academy Awards and sitting and remaining in his seat, clapping for the person that beat him, and then finally being the person who wins. And it was a total surprise that he won Best Sound for Hacksaw Ridge because he was up against La La Land. He did not think he was going to win. His kids wanted to go with him to the Oscars. He initially said no because he thought he was going to lose rightly so and he didn't want his sons to experience that disappointment in person but then he changed his mind and said this could be a teachable moment for them on how to lose with grace and then so he brought his kids and then he won and his speech is so lovely and i i really really love that chapter it's one of my favorites and i'm, I'm glad that people who are, will be familiar with of course meryl streep and julie roberts will hopefully now learn about kevin o'connell in this book is there anybody who you wanted to talk to, but had, I guess, had passed on or uh, wasn't just, just wasn't available? Was there anybody that, like that? Sure. I mean, I definitely reached out to Julie Andrews and Eva Marie Saint and Shirley Jones, some of the other classic era actresses who are still with us. And it just turns out they're not really doing that many interviews these days. I also did ask for Barbara Streisand, but she was working on her own memoir and uh, was not available to do an interview with me, but maybe one day. <laughs> How about those who have passed on? Who, who would you, if you had your druthers and you had some magical power that you could bring somebody back to life. So just to do an interview with who would you, who would that be? Well, uh, full disclosures. I have been asked that. So I have two answers for you. Um, okay. Rob, I was, a, I got I'm to sorry. interview. You cut out, you're cutting out on me here. Can you repeat that please? Sure. My first choice for that would be Robin Williams. I did get to interview him in the 90s, and he was one of my favorite people to talk to. And I know that winning an Oscar was such a moment of joy for him. So I would have loved to have relived that with him. And then also, I think the story of Hattie McDaniel winning for Gone with the Wind in 1940 was so interesting because she, of course, had to sit in the back of the room, the ballroom, apart from all of the white nominees. And she won Best Supporting Actress and just gave a really beautiful speech, but I would have loved to have heard her firsthand story of what that experience was like. Yeah, that is amazing because I mean, I would have loved to hear hear her story too. And even after she died, she wasn't allowed she wasn't allowed in uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, I believe. 
you know, and um, because of stupid race issues and stuff. But now let's talk about the 2024 Oscars. Let's see if I can get you in some trouble here, you know. <laughs> okay, who's the, who's the odds-on favorite from Dave Carger for the Oscar? Best picture. I, I do think Oppenheimer is going to sweep. I think Oppenheimer is going to win Best Picture and Best Director, Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr. I think it'll win seven or eight Oscars overall. Really? That that many? Yes. Uh, Barbie, how <laughs> about that situation? What What did you think about that? I think Barbie has a great chance to win for Adapted Screenplay. It's up against Oppenheimer. Um, the Academy deemed it an adapted screenplay, whereas a lot of other awards deemed it an original screenplay. But I think in that head-to-head matchup, Barbie has a great shot to win. And it would be a wonderful chance to acknowledge Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who, of course, wrote the screenplay together. Exactly. I totally agree. Well, I tell you what, the author's name is Dave Carger. The book is 50 Oscar Nights, Iconic Stars and Filmmakers on Their Career-Defining Wins, published by Running Press and Turner Classic Movies. You can find it at tcm.com in their library, or you can go online, any place where you find your book. Uh, Dave Carger, I want to thank you so much for being on Light the Camera Author tonight. Thanks so much, Jim. Great to be with you.